You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Paulette. Oh, to merit on the St. Patty's oh, Day. Oh, <laughs> it's St. Patrick's Day. And our family uh, was Irish, is Irish primarily. Uh, our grandfather, Paulette, was from England. And Paulette, actually in England it was pronounced Paulette, uh, was uh, was English. He came from Liverpool. But we're a family of, uh, of immigrants. So on this St. Patrick's Day, Rather than saying things like Aaron Gabra or kind of fake Irish things, I, I did want to reflect a little bit on immigration. Uh, it's the topic that I don't think the Biden administration is happy with this, but is kind of moving to the forefront of the news at the point that they would still like to be talking about COVID relief. This seems to be taking over. Am I reading that well, right? It's true. And they should have seen it coming. And if they didn't, shame on them. It could be they were so concentrating on the COVID and the vaccines and relief and all that. But anyone who had their eye at all on the border knew that as soon as Trump was gone, people were going to start coming. They were already trying to come from Guatemala El Salvador and Honduras, including and Mexico, all even during the Trump administration when you know the border was not a friendly place. But who's to who would think that it wasn't going to get worse? I mean, the word goes out, the border's opening up, and it's not like those folks are watching MSNBC, so they don't see Biden go, just wait, don't come, it's not quite the right time. You know, they hear there's a friendly administration. And one of the things that hasn't been 100% clear um, as I've been watching it, and I just happen to know a little bit about it, so not too much, but um, they have let the kids in. So unaccompanied minors, there's a special part of the law to deal with unaccompanied minors. So an unaccompanied minor, right, which would be anybody under 18, who gets into the United States and has relatives with whom they can stay, um, can appeal for a special kind of status. So that is known as well, right? So if you're a 15-year-old in Guatemala um, and you can get to the border, you can get in and you've got an aunt, an uncle, somebody to stay with, um, you'll be able to adjust your status. I was thinking about you know, let <clears throat> me back up. You hear people talk about it like, well, they're just, you know, it's like a calling card. I was thinking a little differently because remember your daughter when she was 15. I think about my sons when they were 14, 15, 16. How desperate must you be to stick an address and a phone number in their pocket and send them on a thousand mile or how many mile journey that is through very dangerous and rough terrain? to save them from living in the country you're in. I think it's a, it's a humanitarian crisis. There's no doubt about it. And it's so heartbreaking that these folks feel that this is their only out for their children. 
Well, I think your comparison's good. You and I would have been a nervous wreck putting our kids on an airplane from Cleveland to send them up to see me in Chicago I, by themselves. It's a, right? I had that experience, actually. I think Noah was, I want to say 15. I don't think he was driving yet. And he and a, and a friend flew to Paris. And obviously, we put him on the plane here. My sister, brother-in-law, picked him up in Paris. They stayed in Paris, he and a friend, and then they took a train to meet us in Spain. We were going to Spain. And I was just, every single day, I was like, you have to call me every day. And they were with people (laughs) that were taking care of them. I mean, I just can't even imagine what it feels like as a parent to do that. And, you know, back to our origin story, for your parents to send you off and not be sure they will ever see you again. This is, a, a you know, because when our grandma left, right, she was the, uh, she left Ireland and she was the baby of 12. Is that right? That's okay. Right. And so she had siblings she had never met because they already had left to right. come to the United States. And her mother puts her on a boat and I, she never did see her mother again, did she? No, no, no. No, she never went back. Uh, Several of uh, her older brothers and sisters, you're right, she would never meet. They had emigrated, uh, some to South Africa, some to Australia, uh, some to the United States here. No, a totally different, different thing. You know, and it strikes me, it, you know, when we think about what's happening at the border now, and I'm certain when the Trump administration thinks about it, from everything we know, This is a compassionate, empathetic administration. I'm sure they want to do something, not just for political reasons, but they really want to do something. But the same as you and I, they must look at it and say, what What are we going to do? You know, uh, we have all these people coming. We have limited places to put them. We have to get them out to families. We, We can do this, but we're trying to ramp up. And the more we make it work, the more we process people and get them uh, to families here, the more we're going to send signals to Guatemala. Yeah, it's working good in the United States. More people go, uh, you know, which was really kind of Trump and Stephen Miller's theory that if you make it really terrible, they won't come. Now, that was an inhumane theory, but that's really what they what they were thinking. So we're facing a terrible, terrible problem. And you know, it's interesting, and I, I don't know what the numbers are. So to some degree, it's their theory of the case was a little bit right. Meaning that if you make it so bad, um, people won't come. But we think that, and yet people were amassing at the border because the uh, Trump folks had a deal with Mexico that they would stay in basically refugee camps in the Mexico, the Mexican border, and their cases would be processed before they came into the United States. Because the theory is, is once you let them in, you know, I heard you share this like catch and release, like they're animals or something. But for immigrants mm-hmm. generally are who present at the border, many of whom make asylum cases, whether they're good cases or not, is a, is a different matter, legal matter. They come in, they're processed, and then they're released into the United States. However, 
the percentage of those folks who present at the hearing, so they're given what's called an NTA, a notice to appear, and the people who actually appear for the hearings um, are is high. It's a high percentage because people don't want to live here illegally if they have a legal route and asylum being a legal route. Now, that's a whole other issue on how you qualify for asylum, and that's not economic reasons. It has to be a well-founded fear of persecution based on religious or gender, political, stuff like that. So, you know, that's um, a law that the is an international law that was the result of World War II and all the refugees that were part of that. Anyway, I think the Trump folks thought you've got to stop them from coming in because once they come in, they're integrated into the United States and they're harder to get rid of. And there is a truth to that. Because I come into the United States and then I get a job, maybe illegally, not supposed to work, but people have to work, right? And I then I meet someone and I have a couple kids who are U.S. citizens. And then you have what we have now, 11 million people who are undocumented. So last time we had immigration reform was 1986 or 1987 when Reagan was present, the end of the Reagan presidency. So in that time, a lot of people have come in without papers. Maybe they made a claim. Maybe they were deported and never left. What do you do with all those people? They're part of our society, our, our community now. They're not U.S. citizens, but they're part of the, the, you know, the civic life of the United States. But as long as the United States continues to be a wealthy country, and there are jobs here, and it is safe to live here, people will come. I mean, it's just the way, it's, it's human beings. People have migrated around the world since the beginning of time. Remember the other day we were having a conversation about the Jewish people in Iraq. I mean, people have migrated as long as human beings have been alive. I'm not someone that says, well, open up the borders. I think you have to have some laws about that, but you also need to be realistic that we will continue to be a magnet for people who want to work and make a better life. Yeah, you have to have laws about it, but the United States passed bad law and then continued to reform it badly so that we have created just this mass of things. And I I mean, I hear from people, well, no, I'm all in favor of immigration. But it's got to be done legally. I remember a young man in my class uh, with a considerable amount of passion said, my grandfather came to this country as an immigrant and he came here legally. And these people can do the same thing. Your grandfather came here long before 1965, which is when these immigration laws were written. Before 1965, there was virtually no restriction on people from Central and South America coming into the United States. It was free passage. The immigration laws were always written in a way to let in some of the people we did like freely and not keep out the ones we didn't didn't like. There are no real immigration laws till 1895, and those are all uh, targeted at Asians. Then most of the immigration was Northern European, including us. England, Ireland, so forth. But as that shifted in the early 1900s and it became more Southern European, 
think Italian, for, for example, 1920, 1921, those laws are written. They kind of all fall apart by the Second World War for a lot of reasons. We, you know, people couldn't move in, in the same ways and we needed labor. So it was 1965 and Lyndon Johnson that we rewrite laws in such a way as to keep out, wait for it, folks, brown people coming from Central America and South America. And then we continue to try and mess with that afterwards uh, in such a way that I think we've created many of these problems today. Well, it's always the law of unintended consequences with immigration. So what you say about the 1965 law is true, but during that wave of immigration, because it was more merit, more of a meritocracy, you have a large wave of Indian immigrants. And actually, this is the, um, the parents of Kamala Harris. Um, although he never immigrated, uh, Obama's father came as a student so you you open up to a different kind of diaspora who comes to the United States. And we are in some ways still living under those laws where people come as students or they come on what are called H visas, which is visas to come to work in tech jobs. And so it, it's a it's a patchwork, <clears throat> extremely complicated. But clearly, it's something that I feel passionate about because not only are we the grandchildren of immigrants, but I am the wife of an immigrant. And it is always hard for me to see how immigrants do not make the United States a better place and not enrich us just in culture and all that other stuff <clears throat> that Fox News hates, but enriched us in terms of the labor that these people brought, whether they're laborers or like my husband, you know, highly a trained executive and engineer. So that's really how we need to think about immigration instead of hordes of brown people come and, uh, you know, steal your babies. Well, and there are a couple of common sense things that we can do like now uh, that uh, uh, are not going to cure everything, but will help. Obama had created a system where if you wanted to apply for refugee state status, you could do it at the local embassy. You didn't have to come up to the border. Trump undid that. It doesn't cure everything. Uh, some people still feel they're in danger, certainly in Guatemala and everything. But I think that's a common sense approach. The other one which Biden proposed during the campaign, I don't know if he'll re return to, is he called it a Marshall Plan for Central America. You know, the real problem is for countries like Guatemala to get to some economic stability where crime does not dominate it, where there are jobs. And we, the United States, should be part of that uh, with, I think, a massive spending effort. I think you're probably right. And when you match all the funds, you know, what does it cost for border and immigration and where are most folks coming from? And so... We are done with time today, which is unfortunate because this is such a fascinating and not just timely, but um, important issue. So I think we might have to talk about it again. We may have to, but next time, maybe we'll talk about it with an Irish uh, accent. 
we, we, could, we, could, we could possibly do it at Tree Turkey on Thursday. <laughs> talk to you. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.